Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Making Milestones podcast. Thank you so much for supporting my podcast. I really appreciate all of you who listen to my random rambling through this podcast. So I just wanted to today make my topic about discussing young horse training and just some of the pressures social media has in relation to young horses and why those pressures are problematic. I think social media plays a huge role in people's willingness to push their horses too far too fast because people, whether their intent is good or not, they often want to generate content for the purpose of showing to other people on social media and also seeing lots of other riders on social media and comparing yourself to them and what they're doing with their horses without actually knowing the whole story is another problem because people feel like they're in competition with others and if someone else with their young horse is moving faster there's a certain feeling of inadequacy that might be felt by people and therefore push them to do more because they feel they need to in order to accomplish certain things and then you also have the entire mindset that the online world has brought that if you're not doing certain amounts of work with your horse or if they're not competing to a certain level that you're doing them a disservice by not allowing them to achieve their full potential which is so silly because horses quite literally do care, do not care about the potential that they achieve. They do not view competition or riding in anywhere near the same way as people do, and they don't even know that they have a potential that needs to be met in terms of showing or jumping a certain height or being able to do something under saddle. It's entirely a human concept, and unfortunately, people pushing it have inadvertently made things more difficult for other people and their horses by pushing the idea that horses have an ego that needs to be met and stroked in the same way that people and the human ego needs to. So anyways, I think social media is a huge part of this problem. Not that I'm saying social media is bad because I think it allows people access to connecting with other riders for support and lots of other information to help them learn new things that they may have hidden from them in their own work with their trainer and at their barn or just not taught in a way that clicks with them. So what I do want to say about social media is that for me in specific, I've noticed that without access to the equine niche on social media, I don't think I would have gotten as far as I have in horses because first of all, I got access to a lot of support from people that were like me that I wouldn't have had otherwise. And then also on top of that, I've had access to a lot of information and equine sciences stuff that I never would have seen otherwise. So prior to being on social media, How I thought about horses and what I believed to be correct was entirely related to the people who had taught me and their own personal biases, and it didn't allow me to have another outlook on these factors. So by being on social media, I have been able to learn so much more and have access to information that I think I would have either never found or found way too late in life, perhaps after I had already lost the desire to ride and be around horses and had that ruined for me. So social media has a lot of pros and cons, and one of the major cons that I have personally noticed with it is pertaining to young horses and people's desire to do things faster so that they have content to post. And I'm sure a lot of these people would not admit to the fact that it's for the purpose of generating content, but I really think that this is one of the main factors because of what I've noticed with people accelerating what they're doing with their horses. For example, if someone has a yearling or a weanling and that's all they're posting to their account, it is super common to get pressure from outside sources to do more with 
the horse or at least having people ask like when are you going to lunge them like when are you going to ride them when are they doing this when are they doing that and even if someone's initial intention isn't to rush those things if you have a million people asking you about it all the time and kind of putting that pressure on or saying that your content is boring because it's just stuff of your yearling standing out in the field there is a certain amount of pressure to change that by rushing and so what I wanted to talk about is just how important it is to set a good example on social media and to not feed into trying to fit the mold that is put out by other people or that is pressured by other people online because the entire notion that taking things slow with young horses is boring is a huge problem with the horse world and this extends far past social media because even with things like starting horses under saddle no matter how old they are when you start them there's this whole idea that it's this really grueling exciting process where horses might be bucking and bolting and doing crazy dangerous things and then it's just a part of the process and while that's starting to change there's still a lot of people who truly think that these things are like a normal part of working with young horses and developing them and this isn't to say that horses should never have reactions or that horses will never buck or play or bolt or do certain behaviors that are undesirable but they shouldn't be viewed as the normal for like your first time saddling a horse or your first time sitting on a horse because those behaviors are an indicator that you missed a step and overpaced the horse and even the best people can do that and even the best people can make the mistake of overfacing a horse and having a mistake like that happen but the idea that it's a normal thing that's just a part of the whole thing is wrong and we need to start showing people the right way of doing things because in reality like even when you're working with highly dangerous horses who have behavioral problems that have been ingrained in them due to previous bad handling good training with those types of horses honestly looks pretty boring because the entire goal of good training is not to get them so over the threshold that they have these massively huge reactions so you want to keep them as quiet as possible and that often looks boring um, so what I have been trying to do with my time on social media, and like this is also related to like the types of questions that I answer about Banksy and how I answer them, because ever since he was born, we've been just completely like <laughs> thrown millions and millions of questions and just like rapid fire certain things that I've started being asked about him from a very young age to the point where it actually even surprised me even knowing everything I do about horse social media and the desire to rush and people's desire to see content and have horses grow up quickly it surprised me how quickly people started asking about like if I was going to breed him in the future and when he was going to be gelded when he was going to be lunged like when he would start going to shows when he would be ridden why I haven't saddled him yet and so on and so forth because a lot of these things started really early in his life like honestly I started getting asked about his ball situation and whether or not he'd be gelded within mere hours and days of him being on the ground so he was just a baby um, and the thing that I found most interesting about that in specific is the fact that if he were a filly I don't think it would be as likely that people would start asking about breeding and like when that was going to happen because they would be more respectful of the fact that the horse is very young and still a baby and that breeding is nowhere even close to being discussed um so 
that surprised me, and then also the stuff related to, like, when I would be saddling him and riding and lunging him surprised me, because I had people asking, like, if I was going to put a saddle on him when he was, like, still at his damn side, so very, very young, and said that, like, they knew people who had put, like, light lead line saddles on their horses, and that the weight doesn't hurt their back, which honestly is probably true if the saddle is light enough, but, like, from where I'm coming from, it's just unnecessary, and since I am trying to set an example using my following, I take all these things into account, and so I've made a real effort to not do any of these things, even if, in theory, it wouldn't harm him, because I don't want to set that as the normal. So he never even wore a saddle until this year as a two-year-old, and that was a deliberate choice on my part, even though technically speaking, if I had an exercise saddle on him as a yearling, it wouldn't have caused any lasting damage. It's just one of those things where it's like he's a yearling, he's still like at least two years out being started, so what's the point in doing something that, when done properly, takes absolutely no time if the horse is well handled? And putting the saddle on him for the first time was no drama because he'd been handled so extensively on the ground and done age-appropriate stuff to help build his confidence and his trust in me. The saddle was easy-peasy. It was not a big thing to introduce to him. He was very calm about it, and it wasn't a process. Like, he's basically at the point where, in all honesty, if I really wanted to, I could probably sit on him and he wouldn't care. But the reason why I don't is because he's young, first of all. And also, secondly, because he's so good. It's like, why push it and why exploit his good nature and potentially sour it by asking for too much? And I think that's something that we need to consider on social media is, like, sure, if you have a good-natured horse who's naturally quiet or who has become quiet as a result of your training. Sure, you could get away with doing things earlier or faster than others, but you have to consider, like, what's the point? Like, if they're so young, like, what is the point in asking for the next step super early just because they can? And I think that's something that horse people need to consider, is just because you can doesn't mean that you should. Like, I could get on Banksy right now with his mental state, and he wouldn't care. But he is still physically immature, and I have a lot of years of riding that I could do with him in the future. So why would I put those many years of riding a sound horse at, in jeopardy so that I can sit on him a little sooner and do stuff a little faster? Because the way I see it is, like, yes, I could ride him as a two-year-old now, and even if I did so lightly. Like, in theory, if you do it really lightly, it might not cause any issues but if it does then you're erasing a lot of years of their use in their prime when they could be doing more so is it really worth it no could I accomplish all of the skills he needs to have to prepare him as a riding horse from the ground yes so with preparing him as a riding horse a lot of that is related to groundwork like it might not look like I'm doing a lot with him when I'm doing like the target training stuff or just going and hanging out with him in the field but from a very young age, like, I introduced the halter in a positive way. We did basic halter training when he was about a month old. And same thing where it wasn't introduced super fast or in a scary way. It was a very rewarding experience where he would get scratches as a reward. And then as soon as he had teeth, we started using food rewards for his training. And he did very well with that, too. So with all the stuff that he's learned, like with the target training and learning the reverse round pen, learning liberty work and recall and stuff, and just having a really positive association with people in training, what that means is when he decides to participate in training, he has learned that training is rewarding. Training is fun. He hasn't learned to be sour towards training. He hasn't learned to resent people and not want to be caught. He's learned that life is very happy-go-lucky and fun, and that 
that training is fun and rewarding and it's not going to be a situation where he goes in and it's scary and too much all at once. He's learned that training has a positive connotation, whereas you have a lot of horses that don't have that same positive connotation. And even if I wanted to compare it with like my own horse, as a horse like Milo, I didn't go about his initial stages of training the best way I could have. I could have made it a lot lower stress. I could have made it a lot more rewarding. And as a result, he would have been a better horse. So now there's anxiety and stuff that we've been having to work through over the course of years. And I've been having to fix mistakes that I made. And the mistakes that I made weren't made out of bad intentions. It wasn't made out of me wanting to rush him or be mean to him. I had good intentions, but I would be lying if I didn't admit that the pressures of social media and what people wanted to see and watching what other people were doing didn't play a role in how I decided to work with him. And it's sad because that rushing is the mistakes that you make in the beginning you have to answer for later in training and they're apparent. And if you don't make them in the first place, it's a lot easier to not make a mistake and just have a happy and well-tempered horse that is just happy to be there than it is to have a horse who has learned that a certain thing in training is scary or stressful or not rewarding enough and then as a result they learn to resent the thing and not want to participate so if you choose not to make mistakes in the beginning it works out better in the long run and it makes everything progress faster even if the initial foundational building of that takes longer and so with breeding banksy i've had this amazing opportunity of having a horse from day one and getting to control their interactions with people and their associations with training from day one, which means I get to bypass some of the negative behaviors that I had with Milo as a two-year-old because Banksy hasn't experienced the same level of hardship or struggle as he did from a young age and therefore learning how to be a survivor and how to how to tolerate the discomfort of starving and so on and so forth. Banksy never had to deal with that stuff, so they have an entirely different outlook on life, and as a result, they're very different horses. But Banksy is still like a very extroverted, outgoing horse who has a lot of opinions about things and is very um, expressive in that. So with him, too, he's the type of horse that would honestly be pretty easy to frustrate and have soured because he tries so hard and he has like a sense of justice. So if someone is confusing him, he would tell you right away, like, hey, I'm confused and I don't like this. And his frustration would be very apparent. So for him, keeping training fun and low key and like having short sessions and just doing things in a way where he gets something out of it, he's learned that. Even if I'm asking him to do something that might be difficult for him initially, or even if the training is a little bit confusing as he picks up new concepts, he has something to work for because he's going to get a reward for it. So it makes any discomfort of the not knowing a lot easier to bear because as soon as he gets it, it's like this light bulb moment where it's like, oh, yay, like I get a reward. This is very exciting. And I kind of dropped the ball with doing that for Milo for um, for his like beginning years and He was like kind of the big stark change in my training and my development as a rider because I did have to start to change how I did things. But that also meant there is this adjustment period where I was learning how to use different techniques and methods and didn't necessarily go about everything in the right way because I was experimenting with these things for the first time. And like I said, it mistakes were made and then you have to answer for them for later in training. So with sharing Banksy and his journey online, like I've wanted to be pretty passive about it and like show how boring it is to let a horse grow up appropriately and how boring the beginning of stages of training might be and just kind of really 
reiterate that a lot with regards to like his development and it's like the same thing with the gelding thing like the whole notion that like stallions are these terrible dangerous creatures who are super hard to manage and that they're just going to become a difficult sex crazed beast when they hit a certain age i find that very troubling and that's why i've been so like low-key about his being intactness and not wanting to, like, necessarily advertise the fact that he's intact or, like, not making it a big deal that he's intact, um, but showing him living his life and doing things because I don't want people to have this notion that, like, a male horse is going to be inherently dangerous or difficult to handle simply because they still have their testicles. And this is something that the horse world has done. Like, we've made stallions out to be these villains when a lot of the worst behaviors we see in stallions are due to poor handling and management because we don't let them be horses. Banksy has lived out in a herd since day one. And if he hadn't, I can guarantee he would have been a way different horse who is much more difficult to handle because he wouldn't be getting corrected in a herd setting or getting to play with friends and get rid of some of his excess energy that would otherwise appear in training. And with that said, he still is a baby also. So during training, he might get playful sometimes. He might get distracted. He's a child. It's like working with a toddler or a kid in elementary school. And like you can't expect them to stay focused all the time and never make childlike mistakes or get silly and be a kid. So it's very much the same with horses. Just because he's big doesn't mean he's not a baby. And just because he's big doesn't mean he's physically ready to do a lot of big horse things. And I think that there's a lot of really concerning things pertaining to young horse training. Like like the notion that you need to do all of the things before they're too big. Because once they're big, they can say no harder and it'll be more difficult to do. Even when Banksy was six months old, he could still overpower me if he wanted to. So rushing to do things at six months old or a year because he's smaller at those ages would just be a silly concept, in my opinion. And also, you've got to wonder, like, how ineffective your training is if it's something where you need to try to exploit the fact that they're small to have your training work and have to throw things at them super fast at a young age to try to avoid reactions that would otherwise be more dangerous when they're bigger or put you in jeopardy more if you're setting a horse up from, for success from a young age waiting for them to be more mature shouldn't be an issue because you can prepare them for those things that you will ask them to do once they're bigger in a way that makes it so that they're not going to be insanely unsafe to do them with i really disagree with the notion that things need to happen at a certain age before they're too big the only thing that i will say is that i do think there's a lot of value to handling foals young in short stints of time and just making them associate humans with fun, happiness, and pleasant times. But that doesn't even need to necessarily include actual structured training sessions at all. It's just about handling them and making sure that they're tame because if you don't ever handle them or let them know that humans are nice guys, then they're going to be more difficult to have have curiosity and come towards you and want to learn things and want to be around people so that prolongs the amount of time that you have to spend working with them but like I said that doesn't mean you need to have structured training sessions with them to accomplish that but it's all about just developing a positive association and, and an inherent trust in people so that they're willing to try things and what I have noticed with Banksy in doing this is that he is so brave like even when he's afraid of something he'll look at it and you can tell that he's afraid but he's very quick to approach things willingly when he's afraid even if he's loose even if he's at liberty he will approach them and check them out and he does so calmly and he stops and assesses the situation and he just takes it on in a stride and he's super brave and curious 
his natural curiosity is one of his best traits because it makes him very teachable because he's so willing to participate in new things even if he starts out initially a bit cautious. Um, and curating that curiosity has been about making training rewarding, not overfacing him. Because if I had overfaced him, I would have taught him, hey, like, sometimes when you approach a scary thing, the scary thing is going to suddenly become big and even scarier. And the only way you'll escape the scariness is by running away from it. And by not doing that and by keeping things low stress and by having him follow things that he's afraid of, like if you've ever seen the YouTube video I posted of working with him on desensitization with the tarp, a lot of that was about walking away with him while dragging the tarp, walking away from him while dragging the tarp. And that's just so that it gives him the choice to approach something as it retreats and it makes it less scary to deal with. And it's made him super willing to participate and it's made him the type of horse that is happy to go over and through obstacles even on his own accord and for a horse that's a jumper prospect that's super valuable because he's going to be the type of horse that will be very easy to school over new fences even if he's initially cautious of them because he's just so naturally trusting and curious of people and as he starts to do more and learn more and investigate new things his confidence just continues to build so that level of confidence, though, that I find, depending on the horse, people find it intimidating because those are the types of horses that will, like, look at you and square up with you if you wrong them or if you frustrate them in training. And people don't always like that. So they want to curate this certain level of confidence and have a horse that doesn't spook and that is well desensitized. But then the level of confidence that is built with that, sometimes you'll find alarming or they'll view it as disrespect. Whereas I still want my horses to communicate with me. So I don't want to shut Banksy down or make him fear punishment of things. So I want to have him have this positive outlook to look for me for guidance when he's confused and to have his efforts rewarded rather than his lack of effort punished. Um, and if he doesn't get something, I just try to ask it in a different way rather than getting louder and louder and harassing him more until I get a response because I don't want to create that negative association with something. Um, and I think that's very important in young horse training. And that's what I've been trying to share through posting stuff of him because I don't want people to look at my account and be like, I would like a young horse now and then to copy what I'm doing and have it be too much too soon for their horse, which is why I've made like a point of not doing things like lunging until now he's a two year old year. He had his first lunging session yesterday um, and we did all the groundwork to prepare for lunging. So in theory, he's probably known enough to lunge for six months to maybe even a year. He's known enough to do it. But there's just no point in having the impact of repeated circles on young joints earlier than two. And even now as a two-year-old, it's not like he's going to be lunged frequently or for lengthy periods of time. It's just one of those things where it's a good skill for him to learn because if he ever needs to undergo a lameness exam or anything, they like to see them on the lunge line. And for taking him off property, if he's ever nervous and needs to get rid of some excess nervous energy away from a person, it's a lot better to do that on a lunge line, obviously, because I don't have the same freedom to do liberty work with him off property, especially since he is a stud colt. People might not want that. So it's a good skill to learn, and it's not something that I need to drill him on or do all the time because he knows how to do it. He gets the general concept. He was willing to try, and he was super easy to teach and very well prepared to do it. So it was 
super easy and low stress to do so with him. And he got a little bit excited and he'd play a little bit on the lunge line, but overall it wasn't like it was this big exciting endeavor. And that's exactly how it should be. And that's the type of example that I want to set online with my social media um, in sharing him and his journey, because I just think that there's so many unfortunate things where we see people being glorified for pushing their young horses too much too soon. And then in their effort to defend what they're doing with their horse, they put out these incorrect statements that in turn people who idolize them will take with them and use to excuse their own actions in the future and I see this with people who started lunging their yearlings or weanlings and I do understand in the stock horse world since they have lunge line classes this is more normalized but we know that repetitive circles on young joints is hard on the joints it puts more torque on the joints and it can cause injury over time so the vast majority of vets will recommend that you don't work young horses excessively on circles especially when they're less than three years old and even as a three-year-old you don't want to be working on tiny little circles and lunging the crap out of them for extremely lengthy periods of time so we know this but then people will be posting these videos of them working with their yearlings or weanlings and throwing a lot at them all in one session and lunging them for lengthy periods of time or lunging them repeatedly over large courses of time on like a regular training program basis we see people sharing their youngsters that are two and under and in like pretty frequent training programs where they're getting taken out and worked with for half an hour plus sessions almost on a daily occurrence and having people normalize this and say that they need it to be a respectful horse or to learn how to do certain things and for people who've never seen the process and aren't familiar with the process of working with young horses and like how young horses grow and how certain things impact their growing bodies they're not going to know the wrongs with this and the people who are doing the too much too soon stuff aren't going to admit to the wrongs of it because it would mean criticizing themselves. Um, and it just sets a really bad precedent in my opinion. And I don't think that any of the people who are doing these rushing type training methods, I don't think they're poorly intentioned. I do think that they're well intentioned. They want the best for their horse, but there's a certain desire to move faster. And like, I fell prey to it to a certain extent with Milo as well, because when he was my only riding horse and I didn't have my training business and I wasn't busy riding lots of other horses, there was more pressure to do more with him because I didn't have other horses to ride. So I understand that that plays a role as well. Um, and now that I know more and I've done more and I've had so many more years to learn patience and to develop better methods, I would have changed how I handled him but at that point in my training and knowledge base as an equestrian I wasn't at the point where I could have done it at the time and I understand that and I think that a lot of the people that we see online aren't at the point where they're ready to reckon with the mistakes that they've made or answer to how fast they're moving with a young horse because they're just not at that stage in their development as a rider and some people never will hit that stage because there's some people that just never want to admit that they were wrong or never want to acknowledge certain aspects of science for horse training and biomechanics and how how they're handling a horse might negatively impact them and that's sad but I what I will say is that even a lot of the people making these mistakes I think that they're going to learn and grow as people over the next many years and they probably won't do things the same way that they're doing now in the future and that's also why I don't think that this is like a reason to slam people and try to criticize and degrade them and be super harsh on them because people definitely were that way with me and like a lot of them might have been right in their concerns and what they were saying but it doesn't make it more justified um 
And being rude didn't help me learn any faster. In fact, if anything, it prolonged my growth as a rider. Um, and even with that, like I had people who thought I moved too fast with Milo, but even with him and with how slowly I went with him, because as a four-year-old, he didn't really jump more than two foot or two, three. Um, I had people pointing out how much he used to over jump and say like, oh, he needs bigger jumps. Like other four-year-olds are jumping three, six in the four-year-old classes. You're holding your horse back. He can move up faster. And I had people that actually said stuff like that. And that's crazy because they're trying to shame me for moving too slow. Your horse is never going to be harmed from moving too slow, especially when they're young and developing, but moving too fast can cause lasting harm both both physically and mentally. So I find it wild that we often see people being more heavily criticized for not letting their horses meet their perceived potential than we do for people who are pushing them way too hard as youngsters. Um, and we see the pushing way too hard happening all the time. Like the lunging yearlings is the only, is the tip of the iceberg. I've seen people lunging weanlings. I've seen weanlings being saddled and they might be saddled in exercise saddles or lead line saddles that are very light. So in theory, they're not heavy enough to do damage to the back, but it's just one of those things where it's like, why are you overfacing an actual like toddler? It's like going to a preschool and asking a toddler to do calculus because in 10 years from now or 15 years from now they might need to know it and it's a ridiculous concept because just because you can start them young doesn't mean they're going to be mentally ready to take it in or physically ready to do it um, and starting it too young and having high demands like that too young can have negative repercussions um, so yeah I've seen a lot of it with like youngsters that people have bred or they'll buy youngsters and they'll want to move them along really fast and they'll be starting them in like regular training programs or even like one-off occurrences where you see people will have like they'll post their training sessions with their youngsters that are two years or younger and they'll be really long training sessions like we're talking like half an hour or longer and that's just the footage that was edited and posted which means the odds of the session being 40 minutes plus are pretty high because there's lapses in training that would be cut out or there'd be parts that they wouldn't want to feature online. Um, so what that means is that these youngsters are being asked to work for extended periods of time. And I think one thing that also needs to be considered is like a horse that's two years old, one years old, or a weanling, their capacity to focus is greatly diminished. So like a weanling could focus and maybe give you a good training session, like at an age appropriate level for like 10, maybe 15 minutes maximum with breaks. And a yearling might be able to offer that more easily because they're older and they're going to be more easy to focus and their brain is more developed. And a two-year-old would have an e even easier time of offering that. But the point is that at those ages, their development is happening so quickly and they're so underdeveloped at those ages compared to where they will be as an adult that under no circumstances should they ever be able to be expected to have the same level of focus and to have so many things thrown at them as a much older horse could. You're way better off having like little five to 10 minute sessions with them and doing them like every day if you decide to, then you are to have like four 40 minute sessions a week or three 40 minute sessions a week or a 40 minute session at all, basically, especially when you're asking for like high levels of focus work or 
difficult tasks in terms of desensitizing them to stuff. There's a huge difference between like ponying, like what I did with Banksy, ponying him down trails. He was technically out for about half an hour as a yearling typically. Um, but he was just walking places. He was just going places and following his buddy. He was allowed to look around. He was allowed to stop for grass. And he wasn't being asked to behave in a very structured manner for extended periods of time or to be learning lots of new skills all at once in one session. Um, and with that said, like when I did take him out, it's not like he was ever doing full scale trail rides. Like when Banksy came, we would plan to do small ones. So he would never even do the full trail circuit at any of the local parks. It's very much about just getting him out and exposed. And I'm sure some people would disagree with me doing that as a yearling in as well. But the point is that, like, we often forget, because horses are such large animals, we forget, like, how mentally immature they are at certain stages of growth, and we ask too much of them very commonly, especially since there are so many incentives to encourage people to move too fast too soon, like the young horse classes and the futurities and all that jazz. Something being offered in a show doesn't mean it's ethical. In fact, I would argue that shows have a higher instance of inethicality and it's justified on the basis of oh the show allows this they wouldn't allow something if it were unethical but all of the equipment we see being used in the arenas like the show jumping arena and what is allowed in there shows us that ethicality isn't the forefront of concerns for show organizations it's very much about money and like what will appease the people that are giving them all of their money and the fact of the matter is like the young horse classes the heights they have set for them they're not in the best interest of the young horses you could give a four-year-old a positive experience at a show and get them out and learning how to jump and developing as a competition horse without jumping them three six um, especially within their first season especially when you consider the fact that warm bloods are typically born later in the year than most thoroughbreds are so when the young horse classes are starting in april or may a lot of those horses are either literally just four or not even turned four yet and in order to prepare to go show three three or three six at a show they would need to be jumping as a three-year-old that's not in their best interest as a future athlete. And the sad thing about these young horse classes is there's not really a whole lot of tracking done to prove like how many of these horses actually end up to be like lengthy competitors on FEI circuits or making it to Grand Prix level. Because if they tracked that and they had to publicize it, it would be pretty clear if there's like a huge level of wastage in the horses that are competing there, if they never end up getting to the levels that those classes are meant to showcase and produce horses for. And I think that's really important and why we need these statistics to be publicized, so that there's some level of um, accountability for people that do them or for the organizations that are pushing these things. But I think it's important to remember that, like, when you actually consider what's in the best interest of a young horse, it's not usually asking incredible physical feats early on in their competition career like I'm not against jumping four-year-olds but I really think that the young horse classes for four-year-olds in specific shouldn't be more than like two six maybe two nine maximum um, I think starting it at three 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 six is absolute ludicrous and even for like the five-year-old classes three nine is like a pretty big ask especially when you're considering that they're courses and I'm sure a lot of people that compete in them would dis disagree with me on this but 
Um, a horse being bred for something and being an incredible athlete doesn't mean that their body is any more ready for the repeated strain of jumping a course over and over again and the prep work to get to the point where they can do that at a show safely and be fit enough for it. It asks them to move along too quickly and just because there's some horses who might be talented and balanced enough and developed enough to do it doesn't mean that it speaks for the majority and I think that the young horse classes should be set up in a way where they're speaking for the majority and taking precautions to ensure a good experience for all horses not just the ones that are supremely developed at their age and have a very easy time mentally and physically being brought along to that level um and the same applies with like stuff like the lunge line classes and stock horse classes. I don't show stock horse classes. Like I've never shown on the stock horse circuit. I don't know a lot about it. However, I think for yearlings, they could do basic halter classes, even trail classes where they get to go over bridges and easier stuff. That would be preferable to a lunge line class. Or if they're going to do lunging, it should be very short stints of it where they're lunging on huge circles and have it emphasize that they shouldn't be going on repeated strain of tight circles. But in general, like a lunge line class, in my opinion, would be better for two-year-olds. But since a lot of them are already riding their horses at two, they lunge them at one and they're getting them out and about a lot. Even the idea of showing a yearling extensively where they're going to lots of shows for lengthy periods of time, I don't fully think that's completely ethical from the standpoint of you're pulling them out of a herd setting where they can learn a lot of valuable things that will make them a better horse while developing the bone and physical requirements that you would like as a riding horse. I don't think it's in their best interest to be going and competing extensively on a show circuit. This doesn't mean I'm against showing yearlings. I think getting them out and about is great, but it shouldn't be a priority that comes above their ability to live and function in a herd. Um, so with that said, I am trying to set the example that I think should be set by like working with Banksy and like being kind of like rigid in terms of not lunging him until he actually turns to and kind of showcasing that and showing that like when he was lunged, it was all of like three minute session. It didn't need to be very long. Honestly, with young horses, less is often more. And what you'll find is even in these short sessions, if they get a few repeated attempts that are good and you cut it off short like then, the next time you work with them, they usually take time to think and latent learn. And then they're even better the next time. So the notion that we need to be putting all these hours into working with horses or work for them for lengthy periods of time for it to be valuable is so wrong. 15-minute sessions for a youngster are plenty. Um, even five-minute sessions, like you can fit it in to the end of your day where you just take them out and play with them for a little bit. That's all fine and dandy. They don't need to be going out for extended periods of time and in hardcore, rigid training programs. Um, and then we even have stuff like where the, this also plays into people rushing their youngsters. Like on TikTok, it's really bad with seeing people hard tying their horses and then posting videos where they're essentially laughing at them violently pulling back while being tied and saying that this is how you create a horse that ties well. Um, all of that stuff I find highly ironic because when your horse is violently panicking and pulling back, if they do stop doing so, it's because they've gone into learned helplessness and realized they have no control over their situation and there's nothing they can do other than essentially just give up, um, which is very sad. Learned helplessness is a very negative, depressed state of mind and not something you should decidedly be putting horses into as a form of training. Um, on top of that, with the whole tying and teaching young horses to tie, I think something that a lot of people forget is that as flight animals, horses naturally fear being trapped. And it's our job as a trainer to help 
mitigate that fear and teach them that tying doesn't mean that they're unsafe. It doesn't mean that they're trapped and it doesn't mean that they can't get away from stressors. We should be considerate of their fact that they're a flight animal, especially with youngsters. Like, I find it so horrendously disgusting that there's so many videos of, like, weanlings and even foals before they've even been weaned being hard-tied and pulling back in non-breakaway halters, oftentimes in rope halters, which amplifies all of the pressure that they are putting on themselves. And one of the most concerning things about this is the fact that when you have that happening with a horse that's very much underdeveloped, the connection between their spine and their skull, that is like one of the last things to fuse in terms of growth. It's one of the last parts of the spine to fuse. Guess where all of the pressure is going to go when they're pulling back from being tied? Right there where the spine connects to their pole and their skull. And you can cause insanely high levels of damage from that. Like I would love to have the money to go around and x-ray all these horses that have been taught by pulling back and x-ray the ones in specific that violently panic and pull back because I think that people vastly underestimate the level of damage that it can do to the spine. And I think it's really silly to take that risk of potentially permanently damaging your horse's spine and therefore creating pain behaviors that might come out in training or general stiffness and lack of suppleness because of the damage that they've done to their neck for something so stupidly lazy and selfish. Because standing there and watching them pull back, that's not training, that's being lazy. Training involves your involvement with the horse. Um, and you can teach them how to stand well and to not pull back without watching them violently pull back in panic. And the fact that so few people realize that it's possible is so incredibly disturbing. I have never, ever hard-tied Banksy ever in his entire life. He has never pulled back. He's even done things like um, having something fall on him on a windy day when he's tied and he'll panic and he'll start to pull back, but he knows how to release the pressure because I've taught and heavily reinforced that behavior. And so he doesn't panic and pull back. He ties very well. I don't have to worry about him breaking twine, but I still always tie him to twine or something that will break. And I almost always use leather halters or breakaway halters. I do sometimes use nylon rope halters, but they will always be tied to twine or something that will break. And a lot of the people who are for hard tying and heavily encourage people using that as a method of teaching horses to tie will say that they're that that tying to a breakaway tie is stupid because your horse could break away and leave i find that justification very hypocritical and ironic because if your horse is tied well they won't break it so if your horse will break stuff if they are tied to a breakaway piece or if they're in a breakaway halter then they're not well trained to tie and you got to wonder why is your horse so desperate to get away from you that they are willing to violently pull back and break it if there is the option to break it so if your horse needs to be hard tied to stay put they aren't as well trained to tie as my horses who always tie to breakaway stuff and stand there um And again, this whole method of teaching him to tie, like Banksy to tie, was like a rewards-based method, rewarding him when he released pressure and came forward and teaching him that he could release and control the pressure. And one of the key markers of a good training program is teaching the horse that they have control over their environment because this means that they 
will maintain a more positive state of mind because they have control over what happens in training and there's consistency in their their decisions being rewarded or met with the same types of consequences. Um, when there's not clarity in training and when they start to lose control over being able to exploit their environment and make certain decisions or behaviors and have a certain result be expected, then that's where you get sour, broken down horses who are disengaged from training and don't want a part of it and kind of shut down. Um, which no one should want. Like, I want my horses to be lively and focused in training and with their own personalities and good communicators because it makes them safer horses to handle. You can more easily tell when they're in pain or something's wrong because their behavior will have a clear change and they'll try to communicate um, their discomfort with you. And it also just makes them more engaging to work with and a lot more fun and way more trainable because they're actually trying to find the answer instead of fearing giving you the wrong answer. Um and that's all, like, a part of, like, a rewards-based program. And I'm not against negative reinforcement, and I do understand that there's certain situations where punishment might be necessary for people's safety. But in terms of, like, a functioning training program, if you're repeatedly using positive punishment as the forefront of that program and heavily disciplining the behaviors you don't want to see instead of teaching the horses which behaviors you want to see and rewarding those behaviors, then you're just setting your horse up for failure and setting them up to be sour towards training because the way that they will see it from their perspective is that they go into training, they're drilled, they're asked to do certain things repeatedly with very little patience, and if they ever offer the incorrect answer, they get punished for it. And this means that they're less likely to offer answers and try to problem solve and figure out new behaviors than a horse who doesn't get punished would because a horse who doesn't get punished doesn't have to fear the outcome of offering the wrong behavior if that makes sense and this is so important with young horses and creating a positive association with work and helping them to get confident and be comfortable in training and trust the person that's handling them because it's a lot harder to trust someone who routinely punishes you for things and they don't always necessarily know the connection between what they're being punished for because unfortunately people's timing is notoriously bad for stuff like this. There's a very short window that you have to punish a horse and have them associate it with what they did wrong and a lot of people overdo that window. For example, if a horse pulls back when tied and breaks free, there's a lot of people who would catch them and then punish them but then what you're punishing is them letting you catch them. So then next time they might be harder to catch and then the person's going to be upset about that too and might punish them for that. But they're punishing the wrong thing. And that's one of the main problems with punishment is it's very, very easy to misuse and create problematic behaviors. And when it's repeatedly used on a frequent basis, it can create maladaptive behaviors. Um, so like with young horse training, that level of patience and trying to not feed your ego or trying not to relieve your frustration by taking it out on your horse, it can be really hard to do because horses can be utterly frustrating to work with, especially when you can't figure out what the problem is or what the horse is reacting to or what they're being difficult. But it's your job as the rider and trainer and the expert in terms of what you're teaching the horse like the horse isn't the expert on how to be a riding horse you're the one that wants to teach it how to be a riding horse and how to function in a human-led society so it is your job to teach in in a way that they understand and that helps them learn to be the horse that you want them to be um and taking out your frustration on the horse with that in mind isn't fair because the horse never asked to be a riding horse the horse never asked to be a show horse the horse never asked to partake in training in the way that you're asking them. So if you're going to request their attendance in training, it is your job to make it clear and rewarding for them and 
try to make it as low stress as possible. Um, and that's what I'm really trying to do with Banksy. So my end goal with him is that since I've had him for so long and we've done so much stuff at Liberty and we've been heavily reinforcing behaviors that will lend themselves well to him when he's eventually under saddle is my hope is that I'll be able to start him under saddle tackless. Um, and I've been teaching him all the cues for like neck ropes and stuff and just like voice commands for doing certain things and just a lot of the Liberty work, it crosses over well enough that when he is eventually under saddle, it has already taught him a lot of important concepts that will help him be a better riding horse. Um, so with this in mind, my goal to do so is to show how important structured groundwork is for young horses and how important making it rewarding is. Because keep in mind, if I'd heavily punished him or made training not fun, if I get on him for the first time tackless, he can just decide to leave and not have to do anything and not participate. But for a horse who has been rewarded for finding the right answer and wants to participate in training, it's going to be something that's a lot more new and exciting and that they're going to get rewarded for. So they'll have a completely different attitude towards it than a horse who's been soured or confused in training. Um, and whether or not that works out is going to be seen in the future um, because obviously it's not saying I'm going to do if he's not ready for it or if he's not prepared or if it won't be safe. Um, but it's just something that I think would be really cool to do. And of course I'll be filming and vlogging the process of that as well. Um, but the reason I want to do it is to like, especially since he's still intact now, who knows if he'll be intact when that happens. Um, I just want to show people that like you can use food as a reinforcer for horses who are intact. Um, and it doesn't mean that they're going to become mouthy or terrible or pushy or rude or disrespectful or whatever descriptor people try to connect to that. I want to show people that even with stallions, you can use food as a reinforcer and still have it work out. And with young horses, you can use food frequently in training and still have them become amazing horses. And then when I do eventually start them under saddle, I want to show the process of that and show people that it doesn't need to be this big, exciting thing where the horse is reacting negatively and having a bad experience. Um, and that's kind of my whole goal with Banksy as well. Like I want him to be the type of horse that you can basically do anything with and that is always game to try new things and is really soft and hasn't known hard hands or hard treatment and doesn't get like stressy or overbent in training or feel trapped in training from certain gadgets and equipment. Um, I want him to have that really positive classical start towards that. And with Milo, I tried to do it to an extent because he's never worn um, draw reins or anything of the sort. He's never been in a bit harsher than a snaffle or he wore a leather bevel bit once and not again because he doesn't need it. Um, so with him, like I tried to do it by not putting him in harsh equipment and like he never he's never going to wear like a, a gag bit or anything like that. Um, or a twisted wire snaffle or anything like that. Like, he's just not going to do that. And with Banksy, I really want to do the same thing because I think it's really important in creating softness. Like, the equipment your horse needs, in quotations, is more of a result of what you as a rider need to work with them than anything else. So even when I'm, like, using chains on new horses, if they're being difficult to handle when they're first settling in, it's not the horse who needs the chain so much as me needing it for my safety to handle them in that instance. But at its core, something like that is a band-aid for a behavior, and it's using extra pressure or 
something else to essentially coerce the types of behaviors you want to see rather than actually teaching the horse what to do. It's using force to kind of manhandle them into doing something. And this isn't to say that that's always bad because I think people need to do what they need to do to stay safe, but it's a band-aid and there should be a focus to try to mitigate the types of behaviors that are necessitating harsher equipment rather than just using the equipment forevermore as a band-aid um, to try to fix it. Like for example, Banksy has never worn a chain. I do use a rope halter on him, which is obviously a more harsh form of halter, um, but I find that they're really good for training in because it makes the facial aids a lot more clear and direct than a flat halter will do because it'll go across such a large portion of the face and it's not as clear. Um, and I also start my horses in rope halters quickly, so learning how to do groundwork in a rope halter is important. Um, but with that said, like he's not worn a chain, he hasn't needed one, and if he was ever being so dangerous that I needed to borrow one from someone to put one on, I would, but the goal is to avoid that ever being a need. Um, and I think that's something too important to acknowledge as riders and trainers is that the equipment a horse needs is more of a statement on their previous handling and their state of mind and generally their management as well, because a horse who's not turned out and doesn't get to have friends in a herd is going to be a lot more socially inept and have a lot more energy that needs to be worked through than a horse that gets to go out all day. Um, but so often, despite the general consensus of the horse world being never blame the horse, we often do blame the horse, whether we admit to it or not, because we blame them for the need of certain equipment. We blame them for how they react and say like, oh, this is just like a hot, quirky horse without factoring in that perhaps they are that way because they don't get enough turnout. Or perhaps they're aggressive to other horses because they've never learned how to function in a herd or the setup for group turnout isn't set up in a way that allows the horse to be relaxed and to not resource guard or be aggressive to other horses. Um, so we often pawn off the responsibility for the behavior or for the need for certain equipment onto the horse while saying that we never blame the horse, but then we blame the horse for what equipment they need or how they need to be handled, ironically. Um, and this happens a lot with young horses, and it's also like the justification behind a lot of the rushing because people will be like, oh, we need to get on it before they're too big and hard to manage. And it's like, you don't need to rush to do certain things to have your horse be well-mannered for basics on the ground. You just need to reinforce the basics on the ground that you want to see and reinforce the confidence and calm state of mind that you want to see in them when they're eventually under saddle. You don't need to sit on them to do that. And even with like a two-year-old, like I can teach Banksy all of the cues that he will eventually need under saddle through ground driving and doing a lot of groundwork and never need to sit on his back to do so. He can develop the bone that he needs to develop to be a strong horse that will stay sound out in the field and doing groundwork with me without me ever sitting on him. I do not need to sit on his back to get the bone remodeling benefits. I do not need to sit on his back to teach him much of the things that he needs to learn to eventually be a riding horse. And on top of that, anything that I can't teach him from the ground that he will need to know for riding can just happen once he's going. Because if I have the foundation set well enough, it won't be very hard to develop him under saddle and have him maintain a positive outlook and learn how to properly carry himself and do this, that, or the other thing because he would have been prepared for it. And that is the goal. So basically the point of this podcast is just to kind of talk about the whole rushing of young horses and how this is perpetuated on social media and through show organizations and through people we idolize because also a lot of the upper level riders partake in things like the young horse classes because it is financially 
smart for them to do so and it's also smart for their business to campaign themselves as trainers or riders on talented young horses um but that doesn't mean it's in the best interest for the horse it's a human decision and i think we need to learn how to separate what's actually in the best interest for the horse and what is in the best interest for the human or led by like human desires to get to a certain level and so on and so forth um and of course like the more we do study on horses the more we will learn like the best programs to train them in but there is enough studies showing us that there's negative repercussions to moving fast that cannot be undone. And I think that should be enough for people to kind of start to dial it back and to lower their expectations for young horses and to stop being pushed to do certain things, to try to fit the mold of what we see online and to try to appease people that are watching them post online. Like I can pretty much guarantee like when Milo was young, my content wasn't as viewed as much when he wasn't jumping and when he wasn't under saddle, people didn't find it as interesting. And similarly with Banksy, I'm sure he's going to get way more interest from people online once he's going under saddle than he does now. Um, but that's not an incentive to rush him because I want him to be my partner as a riding horse for years to come. And I don't want to put that in jeopardy to try to fill a certain mold online and try to appeal to people online more um which is why i'm taking things slow with him and why like he's not a prioritized part of my training program if i'm busy he doesn't get worked with he doesn't need to he's out in a field he's learning stuff in a herd and he's having a good time he doesn't feel sad about not getting worked with all the time he is okay and happy in a herd and he's happy with his 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 playing with people for the day just being getting an apple or something from me when I go and get another horse or getting scratched a little bit and then otherwise left alone he does not need to be in a consistent training program to be happy and he's very much happy being out in a herd and I think people also vastly underestimate the importance of herd turnout and growing up in a herd for young horses and how much it teaches them and how much it how much easier it makes them to work with but anyways that's kind of some insight on like what Banksy's future plans are um, if you can even really call them plans because I don't have like anything set in stone in terms of working with him I'm pretty easygoing about what we're gonna do and what we're gonna achieve if he's not ready to start next year he's not going to be started and if we're not ready to show whenever he's x amount of age he's not gonna do it I'm not really like I don't have any rigid expectations for him as a riding horse I just want him to develop well and to be happy in training and to not make some of the same mistakes that I made with Milo that stressed him out and that's really my only goal and I hope that my content online has helped clarify this for some people who didn't necessarily know some of the negative repercussions of rushing horses for things that are lesser talked about like lunging and whatnot i hope that through sharing my stuff online i've helped educate people and maybe change their mind and how they work with their own horses or how they think young horses should be worked with because um, realistically that's my only goal i'm not going to change everyone's mind not everyone's going to like me or what i do but if i can help change things for some people that's a huge win and i appreciate that so anyways, thank you for listening to my podcast. I hope this one wasn't too rambly and like misled because all of my podcasts, I kind of just don't script and I just wing it and just go all at once. Um, and not everyone likes that style and that's totally fine. Um, with that said, I try to cover content that people will like and I try to do these podcasts as often as I can. Um, and they're kind of spur of the moment type things so they don't have set days because I just cannot commit to them. But anyways, I really appreciate the people that do support the podcast and 
Um, I just wanted to, yeah, just say thank you everyone for listening. And I hope that these are something that people enjoy. And if you're ever interested in supporting the podcast, you can check out my Patreon account, patreon.com slash S D E Q U U S. Um, and I post some behind the scenes footage on there. You can get early access to YouTube videos and other stuff like that. There's also training tiers for people who want access to training advice and asking questions pertaining to training. And then I also have, uh, um, a patron program through Podbean that you can look at if you ever go watch my podcast on Podbean. You can subscribe for as little as a dollar a month, same as Patreon, just to help support the continued growth of the podcast and any materials that I need to buy for the podcast and so on and so forth. Um, and then you can also support my work just through my Instagram, my Facebook page, Milestone Equestrian, my YouTube, which is just my name, Shelby Dennis, um, and sharing and liking any of those videos and just helping kind of spread the word of my account. I really appreciate appreciate all of it because so much of my success that I've had like even something like my new trailer purchase I never would have accomplished if I hadn't gone into the online niche of horse stuff on social media so I really appreciate it guys and thank you so much and I hope that this clarifies any questions people might have had about Banksy so thank you again everyone have a beautiful night